right, ladies and gents, it's that time. Turn up your speakers, strap on a smile. It's the Sims and Lepko Podcast. Here's your host, Adam Lepko and Chris Sims. Oh, yeah, baby. Episode number 33, number five on video. You got a good number 33 for me? Oh, Roger Craig, baby. Larry Ooh. Legend. Larry Bird. I would say Dorset. Nitschke was a 33 as well. Nitschke? Yeah. Ray Nitschke? Ray Nitschke. That's what I saw online. The football player? O.J. Simpson as well. Ray J. Ray Nitschke. Ray J. Nitschke <laughs> would be a weird combination <laughs> of two Nitschke people. Ray Nitschke was never, I mean. I, Dude, I, I'll check my, well, you know what? That's a perfect job Nitschke, for. Nitschke, we're talking about the Green Bay Packers, Nitschke. Uh, Packers, I don't know what a Packer is, yeah. Okay. He was, we're going to have Josh do that, and he'll check it at the end of the he show. Was 66. First off, he is, he's number 66. Yeah. He's well, not my 33. Phone, it says 33. Well, I don't know. What the I got, internet, that's why you, you can't know. trust phones these days. You wow. Know, so that is producer Josh. Hello, Look, everyone. Hello, everyone. Uh, we got a special uh, event. It is Gabe Gomez's birthday. Yo, Gabe, let me get that hand, bro. Show that magic hand, oh, Gabe. Oh, it's a birthday Woo! hand. Oh, oh, man. Where's that hand going to be tonight? Uh, oh. <laughs> you know what? Cutting cake. Uh, let's see the control room real quick. All the ballers in the back. Get a big wave. George, get George a George in the front row. Oh, Next to you. Not even paying attention. <laughs> Hey, I got Paul Kaplan in the back, too. It's a big day here, a big day. Uh, we have a very good show ahead. Super excited about it. A lot of crazy stuff going on in the NFL. We'll break that down. We're going to have Justin Forsett on the line, running back for the Baltimore Ravens. I love that. Sims is going to ask if it's time to make a big change in San Francisco, which I cannot believe that you're doing. And I'm going to speak to the people of Philadelphia because I need to get something off my chest because you're freaking me out and I can't handle it anymore. But I'll tell you what, I was freaking out on Monday Night Football right. last night. It, it, to me, the way that thing ended, and there were so many reasons why I was freaking out, right. but we got into kind of an argument about this. End of the game, Calvin Johnson busting through. Looks like he's going to store. Golden Tate's got his hands up, fumbles into the end zone. Bobby Wagner goes, boop, definitely on purpose, knocks the ball out of the end zone to the point where I saw it right on Twitter. Rich Eisen voice of the NFL Network, right. says Wagner had the presence of mind to bat it out of bounds on the spot. Right. Then, after the game, they're, we're applauding the Seahawks. Cam Chancellor saving the season, right. even though we're in week four. And it comes out that that was actually illegal, and Detroit should have had the ball on the one-inch line. Right. One, when you saw that, did you know right away? Because I went, that was a smart play. I did know. Uh don't know why the rule exists. I did know, and I will say most of my NFL career, I just I told you earlier, I didn't really find out till year seven of my NFL. Or maybe that that six, was illegal. That, that was illegal, yes. Uh, to me, I don't know why the rule exists. I think everybody in the media is making a bigger deal out of this than it needs to be. That's the one part the I The reason hate. they're making a big deal is that the second time on Monday Night Football, the refs have awarded the Seattle a, a big win in a huge right. game. But the other one was on the field, and it was a Hail Mary and, and things like that. And it's the second time Detroit lost to a questionable call, picking up the pass interference in the playoffs. Right. And then this one here. I guess my issue is Just this. Just tell their $100 million receiver to carry the ball into the end zone. I, I completely understand right. that. Um, but you think that – I mean, Steve Young didn't know this rule. Yeah. Ray no. Lewis didn't know it, this well, rule. It, it's a really stupid rule. I don't understand the benefit of it. At all. That's really my biggest issue. I don't I don't understand. It is a smart play by KJ, right? Yes. Uh, I was a, I was going, man, what a ball. I that don't was... get the benefit. I mean, how are they going to make the determination? I mean, if KJ Wright didn't come out and say, 
I didn't know that rule. We could all sit there and go, oh, he was just trying to one-hand catch right, it and bring right. it back into play. I think I have a few issues. One, if you fumble on the five and it goes out on the one, right. you get the ball back on the five. Right. If you fumble on the one, it goes in the end zone, it's the other team's ball. I don't understand that. But here's my big issue. Watching NFL Network this morning, Dean Blandino's on there and he's talking about it and he goes, look, 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 look. Here's the main issue. The players are human. The coaches are human. The refs are human. Yes. I got a problem with that. I like to watch those players. I like to watch those coaches. I don't care about the refs. If anything, I'd like to replace those human beings with computers. I really would. Dean Blandino already right now, when they go to challenge, that's not the ref looking at it. It's Dean Blandino looking at it and telling them. So my issue is Dean Blandino is undoubtedly watching that game last night, sees this happen, knows it should be called. You're telling me he can't get down there to the guy and go, you guys need to call that right now? No. Why? Well, they don't have. He knows it's wrong. He doesn't have direct contact with the referee on the field. Isn't there a the guy game. on the field? They have like the timeout yeah, but it's coordinator. It's not challengeable regardless. So we're going to sit there. Why isn't that Let's challenging? Let's stop the game and just let me. Hey, everybody, stop. Stop. Hey, Seattle fans, settle down. Well, it's under two I minutes. I want to get my intercom call from Dean Blandino and make sure I got the call right. Come on. You know, there, it is part of the game. Why, why does nobody complain that the NFL admitted uh, that they shouldn't have let Aaron Rodgers throw the 60-yard pass he threw against Seattle three weeks ago? Why? Because it happened in the third quarter? Mm. Uh, that was a big play of the game. The Green Bay beat Seattle because of that play. This is a game-defining play. So was that. But just, just because it's the last play of the game, people want to talk about it. When it's just this egregious where there's a referee looking down the, the goal line there or the, the back end line, and he sees it and he doesn't call it. My thing is, though, if you know it's there, make the call. I guess my thing is, look, and I know that those referees are good, and they're some of the best in the business, and they really work hard when it's this egregious. And I know you said before, you told me, they're going to move on from this. Jim Caldwell, to your point, saying we're not going to cry about it. But James Hedgebo says it's time refs are held accountable. Yeah. Look, if I'm in that locker room, and there's this great play, now I want to say this. What a play by Cam Chance. It was amazing. Right there, he earned his keep. Refs are held accountable. They're not going to be perfect. I mean, yeah. what's that? Head above. Then we want you to raise your hand every time you get burned or miss a tackle so okay. we know. I guess my only you thing know? is this. I, I hate when people say that's just the way it is. Right. So when the head of the referee says we're human, that to me is the most BS excuse well, ever. There, there's bodies flying around. You're on the field. There's, you there know, was nobody around. There, 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 there's that bodies flying around. Tap. I'm talking about all over the field. Sure. The referees. They're not just in charge of just watching one guy. Yeah. Uh, and if he didn't get a clear view out of it, he might not have actually seen that he deliberately tried to knock it out of the ball. Who, who knows? So, I don't know. Human error is part of the game. I don't know why we're talking about it so much. I'm so glad it wasn't called because then we'd be talking about some stupid penalty that yes. really has no Instead effect in the Cam game. Instead of Cam Chancellor being Superman and punching Exactly right. I, I understand your yeah. point. Now, that wasn't the only reason why I was going nuts because right. that came out after the game when I was so excited about Cam Chancellor. Right. Michael Bennett comes behind Cam Chancellor in the interview, gets right behind him and goes, pay him, pay him, pay him. Paul Allen, you're the 17th richest man in the world, pay him. And I'm thinking Michael Bennett, well, Michael Bennett had contract issues too. Right. The Bennetts are becoming my favorite brothers maybe ever, maybe over you and Matt, maybe over me and my brother Jason, because that's how cool they are. And then afterwards goes, Hey, what, what's your issue with Matt Stafford? He goes, he's from Dallas, and Dallas, they killed the president. It's where JFK, <laughs> one of the greatest presidents, died. So I have a little hatred towards him. He was then asked about his leg. He goes, hey, my leg was okay. I got up. I'm a G. I feel good. But, yeah, they killed the president. I don't trust him. I love it. 
And you look, the only book he's ever read in his life is about the JFK assassination. I love JFK. And you have something against the people of Dallas, too. I do. I hold it against them. They, they, yep. yeah, and what I love is he's from Texas, too. So he, I believe he's from Texas, right? The Bennett brothers are from Texas. Oh, yes. Uh, the fact that he said that, yes, is awesome. I've been to the JFK site. Uh, but yeah, man, that was. You that. really hope be a thing against people from Dallas? Not really, but it, but I do understand it. I, I'm, not, I'm that that was a uh, the government killed JFK, and it happened in Dallas. So I do hold Dallas a little bit responsible. What's amazing is it's one day after Martellus Bennett comes out and says they threw rocks at Jesus uh, in terms of defending right, Cutler. Right. They threw rocks at Jesus, and Jesus was an excellent guy who did a lot of awesome stuff. <laughs> I I truly think that the Bennett brothers are smarter than the rest of us. Right. And we're the dumb ones. When you have a microphone, use it. But I thought the Paul Allen one is the truth, man. Paul Allen, you you got that money. Look what Cam Chancellor's doing for your team. Yeah. When Cam Chancellor has played in the last 20 quarters, 18 of them they have not scored. Right. That's that's unreal. And that's why Michael Bennett is probably loved within his locker room because he's not afraid to do things like that. And, of course, you can do things like that when you're one of the best defense alignment in football. Uh, I mean, there's no doubt about it. He is unbelievable. As amazing as Cam Chancellor is, Michael Bennett is every bit as good on the defensive line for that team. All right, so one other thing that came out, Joe Philbin fired, first coach fired, four games in the old Lane Kiffin treatment right. there. And I saw this post and I went to you because I was going to say, man, here we are. You like Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. I've been impressed. I had an argument about Ryan Tannehill in the office It hasn't today. been bad. The play's been good. I watched, I've watched every throw of the Aaron year. Wilson of the National Football Post came out with an insider report story saying, on Saturday during practice, Ryan Tannehill, after a couple of practice squad players forced turnovers, Tannehill made negative comments towards them, including, enjoy your practice squad paycheck, enjoy your practice squad trophy. Right. And in the same story, he said, Joe Philbin told the practice squad players to take it easy on Tannehill to not affect the young quarterback's confidence. Right. I came to you thinking, man, Ryan Tannehill, what a mean person. He wants to target these guys in practice squad. They're just trying to – and you said, no, that's not what the practice squad players are supposed right. to do. You've experienced this before. What happened? Well, this goes on everywhere, first of all. And I think that's another great reason why Joe Philbin's been fired. Just another issue within that locker room that he didn't handle correctly. Uh, you know, why anybody's talking about that to the media anyways. It just tells you you no control. But – uh, yeah, okay. So I've been with two different quarterbacks who do this. Now, the scout team. Uh, What's their job? The scout team is basically they're going to read the card because they're playing whatever opponents you're playing their defense. Also, the offensive routes are drawn on the scout team card. So they know the play that's about to come. Yes. And then they tell them to do certain things. If so it's the a defenders zone, know where the ball's going to go. Exactly right. And then they're still intercepting it. Right. And when, that's and what you've told me is the point is the quarterback and receivers want to work on routes. They're not caring about the defenders. They're not. And you've seen quarterbacks – Get well, so annoyed with this in well, the past. Well, and let's make this point first, too. I, I think the thing is, yeah, you, first of all, it's not your job to intercept Ryan Tannehill. Yes, we want you to give a good look, a realistic look of the opponent we're going to play. Uh, and then put it this way, too. Ryan Tannehill, let's just say Wednesday and Thursday, they call this one play. He's thrown this route a few times, yeah. right? Now, Friday, they call it again. He's like, you know what? I threw that route a few times. I just want to get a feel in case they cover this to throw the other route. Maybe it's not the perfect look. Maybe it's not perfect on the right, right, scout right. team. But you throw it to get the rep to make sure your your receiver knows. So what happened with Jeff so Garcia? Jeff Garcia, got, uh, Kerry, Kerry Collins. Collins in Tennessee, both. What they did was when you ever had a scout, scout team guy get out of hand, they would have gotten the huddle. And Garcia, I saw him do this first. Hey, guys, I'm going to throw the ball up here and let – 
you know, the annoying safety, whoever it is. I'm going to let it inter- intercept the it pass. It was Will Allen, right? Will Allen at one point. Let's, let's all give him a standing ovation and tell him how awesome he is doing on scout team. So Garcia gets it, snaps it. He throws it like 25 feet in the air. No one's even blocking. Everyone's just looking there, throws it up. Will Allen intercepts it, and he's like, oh, yeah, made a play. And everyone goes, woo, way to go. You're the man. Woo, way to get. You know, so, again, it's about, yeah, it's, it's about giving a look, not stealing the show. Right. Uh, and so here it is, everyone saying right. Ryan Tannehill's mean, when really, let's be honest, that's how it goes with scout team. The biggest issue there, why is Joe Philbin going up to the scout players and saying, hey, take it easy on Tannehill? Yeah, right. That shows you that he was so out that's, of touch. Uh, you're exactly right. It tells you the whole team is fragile. Speaking of someone who is very in touch, right. I got someone on the line right now, 27 carries, 150 yards against Pittsburgh, and 105 of them in the second half. Justin Forsett. Fifth leading rusher in the NFL, joining us being the big baller that he is. Just I'm going to warn you right now, you are on the Sims and Lefko podcast. If you start doing some PR media stuff, we're going to hold you. We want the truth and only the truth. So I want to know, you guys get your first win. How much different is that locker room right now on this buy? How good do you guys feel to do what you did to the Steelers and get that first win under your belts? It feels good, man. Uh... You know, we were starting off slow, starting off 0-3. So, you know, to finally get that stink off of us, get that first win, uh, it's been great. Justin, Chris Sims here. Uh, Great job last week. One thing I want, you know, we've talked about on this show a little bit. Tell everybody out there, I don't think people realize how stressful a building or a facility can be when you're 0-3 going into week four. You know, what was it like as a player, as a coach? uh, What were the coaches like all week leading up to that Pittsburgh game? Uh, well, it's definitely a sense of urgency. You know, uh, you know that it's it's must-win territory, and uh, you can't go on four going into uh, starting a year. So, we just had to ramp everything up. You know, everyone around here was kind of kind of calm still. You know, we was trying to stay encouraged, but definitely you can tell the sense of urgency was there, and uh, we went out and you know finally got that W. Okay, I, you want me to go ask? Or well, go I want to ask my, my question. I'm right. sure you're looking around the AFC North. You saw the Steelers just now. As you look at the Bengals, um, I'm curious, how for real are you taking them? How, how good do they look on the field from an opponent perspective? Uh, they're a pretty good team, man. Uh, they got a lot of weapons uh, on both, side of the, both sides of the ball. Um, you know, even on special teams, they got uh, playmakers, impact players that can change the game, uh, especially with uh, Pac-Man as a returner. Ooh. So uh, they're, they're a great team, man. All right, all right, I want to get into some good stuff. Enough of this football talk. I want to know some stories. So uh, the first guy I want to ask about, Steve Smith. Now, I got to play, play against him when I was in Tampa. He was in Carolina. You know, let the viewers out there uh, know what he's like because I've had a few experiences with him. I used to love when he would play us down in Tampa. He'd line up over near, near the, the Tampa sideline, and he'd look over at John Gruden and, and maybe say a few cuss words and then say, hey, watch me blow by your corner or watch me tear your defense up. You know, give us some good Steve Smith stuff because he's one of the more entertaining guys in football. Yeah, uh, Steve Smith is the most kindest, sweetest player you would ever meet. <laughs> <laughs> when did you realize? When did you realize that he is? Like, was there an introduction story where you experienced how tough that dude is and how much he likes to talk to his opponents? Yeah, you can tell right off the bat in practice, man. He's intense at practice. He takes. Uh, everything serious he uh i remember our first days in training camp it was him and this uh young cornerback going at it back and forth 
and he made it his job every day to just kind of destroy this guy. And uh, he actually had it on his like on his phone on his schedule at two o'clock whenever practice was. Make sure I destroy this cornerback at practice every day. Oh my gosh! Does, does he talk? Does he talk noise in the locker room every day? I mean, is he always is he always a ball of energy? <laughs> he's definitely a ball of energy, but uh, there's also a side of him where you know he's a family man. He cares about his his family. He's always talking to him, where it's whether it's Skype or on his phone. Uh, you can see him at his locker. Uh, you know, he's got tons of pictures up of him, and you know he's always talking about his family. So there's definitely two sides of him. I love how the fire alarm goes off while we're I know, I don't know Justin, Justin heard that. Yeah, I don't that, think yeah. you heard that. This is ridiculous. Nah, You're shutting the building down, Justin. Um, we were talking about it. I'll never forget. I, I was looking at the Cal roster when you went there, man. Holy moly, that backfield was crazy. <laughs> did you know in college that Aaron Rodgers was going to be special? Could you see it, and what did you see? Man, um, I saw a guy that loved football, that was smart, uh, a great player, I mean, when I came in, I was kind of a, I was like a one star or half a star player. And he knew all of my, when he first, first introduction, he knew all of my stats. He knew where I was from. Um, he just loves the game, man. And he, he cares about the people around him. And uh, of course, our last, uh, our last year, my last year with playing with him, you know, he just put up some crazy numbers. And I think he has like the record for like most completions uh, in a game. Um, some serious, some ridiculous, but he's a special player for sure. Are, are the are the Cal guys? You know, I know as I was a Texas guy. Of course, I stay so in touch with a lot of them. Uh, I don't get to see him as much as I'd like. But you, the Cal guys in general, pretty close. You guys meet up in the off season at all? Uh, well, I go back to Cal and I train uh, at the school every off season. So I see a lot of the guys. Um, we got another guy on our team. Uh, that's a that's a Cal guy, and of course the running backs, you know, Marshawn Lynch, Shane Vereen is still out there. Right. So we all stay in contact. Shane Vereen. Yeah. All right. So, what was college Marshawn Lynch like? Can you give us a story there? The experience of Marshawn in college. Uh, just another sweet guy that just uh, <laughs> loves to chill and relax. <laughs> now he's a he's actually a, he is a great guy, man. Uh, he's he's definitely a big kid at heart. He's always joking, always laughing. Uh, always has some candy on him, uh, but uh, it's definitely a, uh, the stuff that you see in the media of him being quiet. You know, when, the guys that really know him, uh, when you're around him, he's never quiet. Yeah, my question about Marshawn Lynch, one, I'm sure you've seen the commercial where he goes, oh, Marshawn, thanks for joining us. He says, bruh, I've been here the whole time. Was that Marshawn in class in college? I could see him doing that. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I knew it. Uh, and my other question about Marshawn is, we see the Marshawn where, look, I'll be honest, I'm in the media, Sims is now in the media, he hates being in the media, and you guys are going to talk to us differently than you're going to talk to your teammates. What are we not seeing about Marshawn? How loyal is this guy? How voc- How good of a leader is Marshawn? What are you guys seeing that we're never going to see? Yeah, he's definitely a loyal guy. Uh, has a tight-knit uh, group of people that he surrounds himself with but loves his teammates. That's the one reason why he doesn't like, you know, doing, like, interviews and stuff like that. Even in college, like, it's hard for him to talk about himself. Like, he's mm. always trying to pull someone else into the into the spotlight and shine light on the guys that don't normally get it. So he's a, he's a caring guy. will give you the, uh, the shirt off his back. Literally, I've seen him after a game give the give someone the shirt off of his back, and he mm. walked away without a shirt. So uh, just, a, just a caring guy uh, that loves football and loves people. 
All right, well, a business, a business question here because this is something that goes on in the NFL that I think is a, a bunch of bull crap. Uh, but the running back position, the devaluing of it, you're just a free agent. You have a great year last year. Uh, what, what is a running back, a fellow running back? What are some of the running backs you talk to around the NFL? What do you guys think right now with a, a position that's so vital to the success of an NFL team? It's the physically most brutal, brutal position, I would say, in all of football. But yet you guys aren't being paid for your production and what you do. How do you feel about that whole thing? Uh, because I'm one that thinks the NFL has got to figure something out to make sure you guys get paid. Yeah, uh, I think you only hear about the devaluing of our position uh, only in free agency and in the draft. Right. Mm. Uh, when it's championship football or playoff football time, it's all about the run game. You exactly. Pound, pound the clock, you know, pound the ball and uh, have a strong defense. So, you know, it's kind of uh, a facade out there, man. Uh, you know, the running back position is just as important as it's always been. I look at some of the opponents that you guys have already faced. I see Denver. I see Oakland. And as I look at those rosters, I see Von Miller and Khalil Mack. Looking at those guys, playing those guys, who would you not want to block in pass protection on third down out of those two? I mean, who to you is more scary out of those two guys? Uh, I I hate to give the term scary. We know you're not scared of anything, but we just want to know in pass protection, which you're not built like a left tackle, uh, who is the guy that you go, oh, man, I'm going to have to take on him? Like, who's the one guy that when you think about that, you go, man, I I, I don't want to block him. That's not what I'm made to do. Yes, the the person who has the uh, best pass rushing ability uh, would be Von Miller. Right. Because he can do so much. He can, I mean, he's athletic. He can uh, shake you to get around you, or he can bull rush you. Uh, he has a lot, you know, uh, Mac, he's still young, uh, but he's just strong, man. He's physical. He's just got brute strength, and he can go through you. And uh, But I, I would have to give the, the hand to Vaughn. I want to ask one more question, and we're going to wrap this up. I think what's so frustrating when I watch you guys is you are going crazy right now. You're playing fantastic. Steve Smith is balling out. Joe Flacco gets so much flack from people, and it's crazy to see what he's doing on his back, all this stuff. Where is your level of respect right now for that guy? And does it piss you guys off when people don't give him respect? Man, Joe is a special quarterback, man. He's definitely an elite quarterback in this league. Uh, you know, if you go back to uh, that Pittsburgh game, man, he's, he made some incredible mm-hmm. throws at the end of that game uh, to keep us in it. And, uh, I mean... I wouldn't take another quarterback, man. He, he, he's just cool, calm under pressure. I mean, this guy doesn't get excited, overexcited for anything. You know, he's just, he's Joe Cool, man, and uh, I, I love him. Awesome. Justin Forsett, man, thank you so much, brother. Enjoy the bye week and keep kicking Good luck, Justin. I appreciate it. Thank you. See you, again. Uh, I guess that's my curse, so <laughs> I'm going to use that there. What I've never heard Joe Flacco refer to as cool. Right. So that's pretty awesome. He is cool. And two, I joked around with producer Josh ahead of time, and I said, hey, we should really ask Justin Forsett if Joe Flacco is elite. Right. Because that's like a meme. And like, he said Joe it. Flacco, and he said it there. He did. He thinks Joe Flacco's elite. Uh, yeah, I guess we got to put it in a headline and send it out to the masses. If someone thinks <laughs> Joe Flacco's elite, that's, that's got to be all over the Internet. It's unbelievable. uh, Joe Flacco's just one of those guys. People don't want to see it. It's unreal. Uh, Can you imagine Aaron Rodgers, Marshawn Lynch, Justin Forsett, J.J. Arrington, Deshaun Jackson, 
Jeff Tedford, what were you doing? Oh, I know, I know. And then I know we're missing that running back that was up in Detroit that got the concussions. But yeah. That was later, though. But that was a talented football team. Well, remember, too, they, weren't they mad that the Longhorns stole one of their BCS bids that one year? I think we went and played Ohio State. They were mad. They thought they should have got to go. But sorry, Cal. <laughs> All right, now let's get into our Ballers of the Week. Uh, we're going to do offensive linemen, defensive linemen, and, of course, the coordinators as well. I'll start it off. Yep. My offensive lineman, baller of the week, I'm going Gabe Jackson from the Oakland Raiders. I watch him against the Chicago Bears. He is, what, in his second year? Yeah, Mississippi State. I mean, the dude is enormous. They pull him. They he, they stand him up. Yep. And he's part of the reason. When Derek Carr had that big play to Amari Cooper, he was the guy in the back holding up, preventing the sack. He's a special guy that I don't think a lot of people know about. Who's your offensive lineman? My, mine's a guy that really didn't perform all that great. Eric Flowers, left tackle for the New York Giants. Mm. He was the first-round pick for them. Uh, I give him just a lot of props. First of all, banged up left, uh, ba- banged up left ankle, decides to play against the Buffalo defense, which is one of the best front fours in football, gets hurt the first play of the game. And I'm not just talking hurt. Somebody rolls up on that bad ankle really badly, comes back, Gutsy performance, so I give him a lot of a lot of props right Who's there. Who's your D lineman of the week? My D lineman goes to your Philadelphia Eagles, who I think is a guy that people got to start recognizing is Benny Logan. Uh, he's uh, a two-time baller man, of the week. Man, if now. you watch him in the Washington Redskins game, he was the best defensive lineman in that game. Both teams are uh, phenomenal. Uh, they, honestly, I don't know why he comes out of the game at some points. He needs to stay in there almost every snap the whole game. My uh, defensive lineman baller of the week. He's not unheralded. He is very heralded, but he should be more. Michael Bennett of the Seattle Seahawks. You watched that game on Monday Night Football yet again. Best player on the field. He's a kind of guy that can rush from the outside on the outside. He can defend the run. He comes in defensive tackle. Staunch against the run. Great against the pass. He is truly one of those guys that you look at him and go, I don't know if he's going to be excellent. He understands angles. He understands body movement. And I just... Add in the fact that JFK comments, add in all these other things, it's unbelievable. I think Michael Bennett should get more props than he does. Uh, Offensive coordinator of the week, I'm staying with Justin Forsett's guy, and I'm going to go with Mark Tressman. And the reason I say that is first half against the Steelers on Thursday night football, I mean, Stefan Tuitt was in the backfield almost the entire half. Right. They came out in the second half. Forsett had 51, uh, excuse me, what was it, 49? What was it? I can't even do math. 45 rushing yards in the first half, 145. I don't even know. I can't do math. He had 105 in the second half Thank or something you. like that. Thank you. He had a but, great second half. But to do the adjustments and to take advantage of the Steelers' defense, the Baltimore Ravens' offense in the second half was explosive. Right. Hadn't said that all year. Right. I don't even know. I can't remember who I picked as my offensive coordinator of the week. Who the heck did I Hugh pick? Jackson. Hugh uh, Jackson. Right, I keep forgetting that. It's the second time. Hugh Jackson is my OC of the week. Uh, phenomenal game plan. They're, they're, they're getting up there with the New England Patriots as far as one of the hardest offenses to defend in football. What do you defend? I is mean, it the weapons? or What is he doing to enable the It's the, the weapons, weapons, but it is the play calling as well. He does a few little tricks every game that keeps you off, yeah. uh, which, which I like. But, no, he's patient with the run game. They have a great offensive line, great running backs. Mm. And then, yes, the weapons gets them the ball in a variety of different ways, whether it's short game or not, but 
doing a great job of designing some down-the-field shots as well. So love Hugh Jackson, what he's doing right now. Needs to be a head coaching candidate. They are pushing. I mean, they got to be up there towards the league leaders right now in 20-plus yard games. I would think so. Especially with A.J. Green. Who is your uh, D.C. of the week? I'm going to the New York Giants again. Steve Spagnuolo. I thought he did a phenomenal job. Again, an undermanned Giants defense. But, man, that front four, very impressive. uh, But did a good job of taking away some of the things the Buffalo Bills like to do. Buffalo killed Miami the week before with the bootlegs and some of the misdirection stuff. Not the case with the Giants. Giants run defense. It's legit. They don't have one real good pass rusher, uh, but they get a lot of good every down defense alignment. Uh, and I'll tell you another guy that's jumping out there, Landon Collins. Wow, he's better maybe than I gave him credit for. Really? Yeah. My DC of the week, I'm going Greg Williams of the St. Louis Rams, taking on an Arizona offense that had just been shellacking people. Right. Yes, he has the pieces. Yes, he has the tools. Yes, Janoris Jenkins had an incredible pick, and Aaron Donald is an absolute stud. Right. But he has the system in place. They're playing well. It's the second time. I mean, really, they held the Steelers to like 12 points, and Big Ben was in there most time. But it's the second time that a divisional opponent has not been able to do anything. Sure, Seahawks put up a lot of points. A lot of that was special teams and defense. That Rams defense right now is taking on the identity of their coach. Williams is sort of a B.A., and they're playing underneath I'm not sold with that defense, though. I'm really not, by any stretch of the imagination. In what way? Well, I mean, Arizona moved the ball up and down the field on them. Yeah, Uh, but here we are. We're going to applaud the Seahawks because they do the bend but don't break and they hunker down at the end, there's a strategy to that. Yeah, there is. I, I, I understand. Uh, I, I don't know. I just, I'm not thrilled. That defense, Do you not think they're doing it intentionally? No, I, I think they got a little bit lucky more than anything. Mm. And I'm not saying they do a lot of good things, don't get me wrong, but that defense still scares me. It really does, especially their pass defense. I think there's a lot of holes in it. Uh, and and uh, who did they play the week before that? Pittsburgh. Yes. I know Big Ben didn't make any big plays, uh, but he was, what, 21 of 26? Uh, yeah, some of their coverages, I guess, is just what sure. I, I think something to think about going forward. Of course, I'd like to pick Kyle Shanahan for Offensive Coordinator of the Week. I can't do it every week. Right. I'm sorry. Right. Um, so, San Francisco loses to Green Bay, scores three points. Right. You have been someone that has defended Colin Kaepernick above all else. Yes. Last season, beginning of the year, you had him as a top-five quarterback. Right. I know that you see the potential in him. I yeah. know that you see the arm strength. But you're thinking now, this is the first time I've heard you really wane on him. Yeah, I am waning on it. And, and, and listen, I'm a realistic guy, so I'm going by what I watch on film and the play of guys. I'm not going to fall in love. It's the same thing with Tom Brady. Yeah, he wasn't playing great. Now he's playing awesome. I'm going to give him respect. Uh, but the, the thing with Colin Kaepernick, when you watch it right now, there's a lot of deficiencies within the offense. Yes. But the play is below average. It certainly is. And it's been for a while. And it's not all on his shoulders. There's no doubt about that. I mean, there's not a lot of weapons surrounding him. The offensive system stinks. I mean, just plain and simple. There's really no other way to shape it. But uh, he is supposed to be the leader of that offense. He's not playing very well. He's been careless with the football. Uh, and he's missed some really, you know, one thing I've always been impressed with is his top-tier throwing ability, that he has not been throwing the ball great this year either. So all of these things, yeah, it would make me, it leads me to think, you know what, it, they got to start thinking about maybe benching Colin Kaepernick. Uh, I don't like to say that or bring those things up. And but this I, isn't you believe that Blaine Gabbert will be better for the team. No. But why bench him then? What do you gain from that? Well, I, I think the big thing is you got to make sure as a head coach you're holding everybody accountable. And uh, if some of the inside linebackers or defense end played as poorly as Colin Kaepernick has the past few weeks, they would be talking about replacing them. So mm. I think as a one, as a head coach, you have to look at that. The second thing you have to worry about in San Francisco and we've heard this over the last few years, you know, 
Kaepernick's Trent Baalke's guy. It's making it look like Trent Baalke is now coaching the team as well. And I think as a head coach, Jim Tomsula, he's got to be a little cognizant of that already because that is what a lot of people think, that Baalke is running everything there. And now he's kind of telling Jim, Tom, Jim Tomsula who should play uh, Do you and, worry and about Kaepernick's confidence if he were to be benched? Well, uh, you know, that, that phrase, I hate that phrase because if his confidence wanes, and he, then he's not made to be a starting NFL quarterback. If that's the issue, uh, you know, this is a production business. Hey, uh, Bill Walsh benched uh, Joe Montana. Uh, his confidence wasn't waned. He okay, then let me ask you this. So you put so, in Blaine Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert plays as bad, if not worse, than right. Colin Kaepernick. Do you bring in Kaepernick for the next game? Yeah, you can do that. You okay. certainly can. But I do think you have, at some point have to say, you know what, Colin, something has to change here. You maybe have to sit on the sidelines, just reevaluate your approach. You've heard me say it before. Sometimes when you do get benched and you get on the sidelines, you go, Man, I was making this more complicated. You get to sit there and watch it, and you go like, you know, what was I doing out there? I was just, I was in my own head. Has he regressed from where he was maybe at the beginning of last year when you had such high expectations well, for him? Yeah, well, the beginning of last year, of course, a lot of my thoughts were predicated on the year they went to the NFC Championship game, and he yeah. was the best, maybe the best offensive player in that Seattle Seahawks NFC Championship game. And the year before that, of course, they were in the Super Bowl, and he was phenomenal. Uh you know, no, I still think he has top-level ability. He's been unfortunate with the fact that uh, they don't have top-tier talent around him at the skill positions. And now, what's even worse? The offensive line. Exactly. They yeah. can't – they're not – you know, two, three years ago, they dominated everybody in football in their run game, and that helped, you know, show his strength, even though there wasn't top-tier receivers at that point. Yeah. But now there's nothing. And, uh, yeah, they're in a tough spot altogether. They have a first-time play caller. They're not that talented on the offensive side of yeah. the football. They got issues. <sighs> yeah, I know. And I don't, you know, listen, I don't, I'm not one that likes to talk about that crap. That was heavy. Yeah. That was very heavy. Okay. There you go. Good, though. Um, which brings up my issue. Yeah. Um, it's been a tough time being an Eagles fan because it was an offseason that was defined by Chip Kelly. He was someone that made moves that we have not seen before. He took power and he utilized it in a way in which people were cocking back stones to throw at him if it wasn't going to go well, and it has not gone well. Eagles are one in three. But I don't understand the complete vitriol to get rid of him. I'm a Philadelphia fan. Just going to put it out there. I'm a, I'm a very logical Philadelphia fan, which is what's scaring me right now. I have Eagles fans all the time that come up to me. They're one and three. They hit that field goal in week one. They hit a field goal against the Washington Redskins. Guess what? They're three and one. Now, are they playing bad? I'd say they're playing at like 26% of their potential. <laughs> but everybody right now that is saying, Chip Kelly, fire him, move on. He's arrogant. He's stubborn. Do you remember what it was like with Andy Reid those last four or five years? Do you remember what it was like to be 8-8 eight and eight and 9-7 and seven and to go into every single year and go, we could make the playoffs, but we have absolutely no chance of making the Super Bowl? Do you remember Rich Kotite, the blemish that was Ray Rhodes? Do you remember all of these people? Because if you do, you would realize that when you go 10-6 and six for the first two years, you've done something that we haven't seen in a little bit. Give a little bit of excitement, a little bit of inspiration. I look at it like this. He made all these moves. First of all, I'm great with Nick Foles being on another team. I'm great with LaShawn McCoy sitting on the sideline. I'm fantastic with Deshaun Jackson sitting there not being a distraction. Now, Evan Mathis, 
That was stupid. <laughs> Todd Harriman's, I'm not the biggest fan. I think we could have used some depth on the offensive line, and that is clear. Trading Brandon Boykins, I don't know. Apparently Tyrod Taylor wanted to come to the Eagles, and Chip Kelly wanted to go with Tim Tebow. All of those things upsets me about Chip Kelly, the GM, not the coach. Here's my thing. 10-6, and 10-6. and six. When you make all these moves, everyone thought you got to win a championship this year. No. He realized the pieces he did not have he didn't have the right pieces to get to the Super Bowl, so he reset it. Maybe this is a reset year. Maybe it is, and that can be okay. But if you don't see that he is one of the smarter guys and hear from around the league, commentators, coaches, players, and see that they have confidence in him and you want to throw him out the door, you're freaking me out. You're scaring me because you're going to be the Philadelphia fan base that is just going to be vitriol and craziness and doesn't care about progression. It freaks me out. It scares me. Yeah. Congrat, do this. They, what do they say? Usa. Usa. What is that what they said Usa. in Seinfeld? Usa. Please do that. I have been someone that has had to defend Philly fans my whole life, and I do it proudly because as soon as you start mentioning snowballs and batteries, I get really upset because right. that is not who we are. Right. But we are a fan base that freaks out over very stupid things and cannot handle week to week. Yes. We can't do it. Right. Oh, we're amazing. Oh, we stink. Oh, we're amazing. Oh, we stink. Just calm down. This is the one great thing about Chip better. Kelly. And it's like you said, you know, I don't know where you came up with 26% of We're their We're about potential. 26% of what they can do. <laughs> that was a good number. Uh, yeah, they're not playing well. He's not coaching to his best ability right now. But the one thing I'll say about Chip Kelly, and there's only a few teams in football doing this, he's trying to win the Super Bowl every year. Everybody, a lot of these other teams – Front offices, coaches, they're just trying to save their job from year to year. But you go through the list, the New England Patriots, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Baltimore Ravens, Chip Kelly and the Philadelphia Eagles, the Denver Broncos, the Green Bay Packers. I can confidently say they're trying to win the Super Bowl every year. They're not trying to oh, protect their jobs by playing their third-round pick over a undrafted guy, even though the undrafted guy's better than their third-round right. pick. They all have their agendas. Chip Kelly doesn't care about what everybody else thinks. I got a lot of respect for that. And he's trying to win it all. He's not just trying to say, Isn't oh, we went point? to the playoffs. Yes, it is a point. Let me ask you something. What is worse, going 6-10 and 10 and not making the playoffs or going 10-6 and 6 and not making the playoffs? Right. They're the same thing. But if the 6-10 and 10 is putting you on a path for the potential of taking home a Super Bowl, yes. then we're going. Going somewhere. Right. That's my big issue. Good job. I know we're going to have Steven Nelson in here in a second. I got one more news and notes thing that I'd like to get to Man, on the download. Man, my kicks good on here, though. Damn. Woo! Yeah, I guess so. Look I at mean, that. Go Pirates. Um, Roddy White comes out and says, uh, this week, I'm not out here to just block effing people all day. Right. He's on a 4-0 football team whose offense is putting up 40-plus points a game. Why would he say this? Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's not happy with the way he's being used, but I, I think Roddy White's got to reevaluate to look at where he's at in his career. I, that's the thing that jumps to my mind. I mean, Roddy White is uh, he's lucky to be on the team in general in Atlanta if you just look at his physical ability right now. So the fact that he's there. What are you seeing on film? Well, he just can't run anymore, and he certainly can't like run a route where he has to break down and then run somewhere else or change direction. He has no ability to do that, so he cannot separate 
at all. In fact, if you really watch some of the routes he's caught, what are they caught? Play-action passes where he doesn't really have to change direction. The play-action pass, and he runs a deep cross. The play design gets him open. When so, you have right. – and, and you've firmly established right. that. When you have a player who has been the face of the wide receiving core now for almost a decade. Right. And, he, and maybe it is a decade. I'm not sure. Close. Um, but he's been the guy there, right. and he makes this comment during the best start in a long time. Yes. Can this have a negative ripple in the locker room? Well, it's selfish nonetheless. Uh, it, no, it's not going to have a negative ripple within the locker room. The locker room's still going to stay positive. Uh, coaches are not going to like to hear this. This will get him on the bad side of the coaches. They're going to now be like, oh, geez. I mean, he's not really doing a whole lot for us on the field. Yes. And now he's being a pain in the butt off the field. This might reevaluate to say, oh, you don't like blocking. Well, then you can just sit on the bench altogether, mm. uh, which is what you might see. But, listen, that's, that's one of the things. He's a big receiver. He's got to contribute to the team at, in some way. He ain't as good as Leonard Hankerson. I mean, he's not even on the same planet as Julio Jones. Yeah. He just got to understand that at this point in his career, this is what he is as a player. Be happy you have a chance to be on a winning team that can yeah. do something going into the playoffs like you said. You are Leonard Hankerson. Right. I, unfortunately, am going to be Roddy White. I'd like to welcome in our Julio Jones. Stephen Nelson, <laughs> take your beautiful behind and come onto the set. Hey! I'm Julio Jones. This Falcons team's in trouble. Yes, they are. <laughs> How are hey, you? Brother. How are trouble. You? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Stephen Nelson. Oh, yeah. I can't believe be Roddy back. White said that. I really can't. Uh, it's really upsetting to me why you would mess that up. Nitschke. It says... It says 33. I don't know where that would have got that. Nishki was 66. Yeah, I'll work yeah. on that. we got to work on that. What was the other one? Well, Roger Space, producer Frederick, this could be you one day. All right. It should be you, Frederick Lamar. Where, where is he hiding? He's, I, he's walking all around. He hasn't done anything. What Can you, you sit in your corner? Hey, put the camera on the corner on Frederick. Put the corner. Yep. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, great job. There you go. Can you sit down, please? Jeez, I'm, all, I'm all out of whack. Go back to Fendrick on the camera. I'd like to see him sit down. Oh, look, he's trying to rush. Oh, oh hey, 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 there he is. Oh, back. Back. Great. Back. Thank you. Cool. Big things going on in this corner over here next week, by the way. There's, uh, there's some Don't plans in the works for some decorations. A metal what? Uh, we're gonna talk about it next week. Okay. I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna leave it be for now, but it's gonna be good. I'm pretty excited about it. Is it? Do you just want me to start asking questions? I don't know. You do whatever yeah, you want. Baby. This is this is you your show, DJ Fendrick. Spin that. Shit. Here it comes. Mm. Is it playing? Yeah, it's playing. It is playing. It is playing. Heaven's bless the Bennett family. I heard you talking earlier about Michael on Monday Night Football. Beautiful human. But on Sunday, it was all about the black unicorn. Martellus Bennett postgame compared his quarterback, Jay Cutler, to Jesus. Right. Most people saw the quote. He also compared Jay to... Shane Falco from the movie The Replacements. Oh, right, right, right. I never watched that stupid movie. What? Whoa, yeah. that's it is not a that's stupid another movie conversation for another Are day. You serious? But my question for you two is what is your sports movie character? PPC. Pro player comparison. Oh, sports movie character. Oh, man. He okay. is left handed. Right. I was called Shane Falco my senior year of college. <laughs> <laughs> because we had my, my friends had an apartment, and this one guy dropped out, and I was like, I'll, I'll take it. Right. And so they called me the replacement, Shane Falco. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm I would also say I'm like Goldberg from the Mighty Ducks. Mm. Flyers jersey in goal, really good talker, eats sometimes <laughs> when he shouldn't, and he's a little loud. That's a good I, one I, I don't know. I could be Jimmy Chipwood 
from who? Chitwood. 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 Yeah. yeah. All those years, I did not mm-hmm. know that. So you're just going to go with like a hero. Well, then I would say that. Well, I'm I was a uh, very good outside <laughs> shooter in my day. I have a little Type A, but I could also be, I could also be Charlie Sheen from Major League. I mean, Ooh. I definitely could be like, you know, <laughs> say crazy things, mm-hmm. right? Throw heaters at your head. Uh, those two jumped in my head. That's I'm more fair. of a Pedro Serrano type. <laughs> you know, Jesus, he no help you hit curveball, just so you know. <laughs> they, they threw rocks at Jesus, too. Who would be yours? Ooh, man, uh, tough question. I would say, of course, because of the stereotyping thing, I got Kenny Wu a lot in terms of the Mighty Ducks. You right. mentioned Goldberg. Woo, woo, Kenny Wu, right. I'm Asian, real funny. Never heard that one before. <laughs> uh, from a baseball, I'm a huge little big league guy. <gasps> So I think Lou Collins, just a guy. He's not a flashy. Yes, the first baseman, Lou Collins, uh, a, not a flashy guy. Good, yeah, not good. a flashy guy. Meanwhile, you wear your stars and stripes socks. And I'm American. Totally That's not flashy. That's American. No uh, bartender. Joe Boo needs a ring. I know Sims is pro player comparison for movies. You are the blonde kid from Little Giants that moves into Junior town. Junior Floyd. Yeah. Junior Floyd well, and through the toilet paper. Most people paper. used to, in, when I was in college, the movie about the, remember Sunshine. the time, Sunshine. Yeah, oh, most of my yeah. teammates used to call me Sunshine because he was lefty, too. I thought you were going with uh, Patrick Renner from The Big Green, the goalie. Oh. oh. Nelson, you've seen The Big oh, Green, Oh, yeah, right? I was oh, going to yeah. say that. We, the red-headed guy, the goalie now. that was yeah. afraid of the ball. Since, have you ever seen The Big Green? No. Soccer movie. So the goalie, that's the movie where the goalie, he, like, the, he envisions the players yeah. turning into like knights charging down the field, right? Yeah. That was me, too. <laughs> That's not I'm a little bit of that, but I'm also the Ike's box. Have you ever seen Wildcats? You've never seen Wildcats? I have no, seen Wildcats. Goldion, like yeah. The real fat offensive lineman that they have to stiff money down <laughs> his pants. That's a good part. What do you Remind say? me of you. <laughs> Wildcats. All right. Let's go to the next one. Track number two. Question number two. Question number Gosh, two. Thanks a lot. Uh, we have to talk about the city of brotherly love. DeMarco Murray, he wants the ball more. 29 carries four games. Right. It's not enough in his opinion. But Get Chip healthy, Kelly says, then he can complain about getting the ball. Chip Kelly says it's a snap issue, only 51 in week four. Right. Simply put though, a guy who last year was accused of leaving some meat on the bone Ooh. Sims, uh, isn't getting the job done. Right. But my question for you two is what food <laughs> that once you start eating you just can't stop. We leave no meat on the bone. No meat on the bone. Mm. I am a, like, I hate wasting food. So no matter what food I eat, I am, like, obsessed. I will be dead full, and if there's something on my plate, I'm the type of person to. that yeah, I have what to. Yeah, but what are you sitting there watching TV, and you start to snack on something, and uh, you look down and went, I just ate the whole bag? Yeah, chips can certainly be that. I, I did that last night, actually. Actually, I did a whole bag of barbecue chips while I was watching Monday Night Football. Barbecue chips is yeah, your thing? Yeah, barbecue chips Now, do you go me. Ruffles? Or are you like? Or are you going flat? I can go either one. It doesn't matter. Barbecue. I got barbecue sauce in general. I can oh, put it man. on everything. I think yeah. you know that. So I. Yeah. I think one thing for me, peanut M and M's. Like once I'm going and it gets into a nice flow. You know what's good? Bugles. Like do you ever? Do you, you put like, them on. You put yeah, them of fingers. course. Listen, yeah. Anything that can fit in his hands <laughs> that he can stick it in there. I'm noticing a theme here. <laughs> uh, no, but if oh man, I don't know. Uh, what do you got? I am a chips and salsa. Like, I gotta stay away from no it. No guac. No guac. But well, my wife, my wife and mom's chicken pot pie. I mean, if they make that, 
I'm like excited. I'm yeah. going to sit there and eat till maybe. Chicken pot pie is my favorite food. Maybe till I have to throw up. My mom's like, pork chops are up there too. Right, right. What about yeah. you, Fedrick? You got one? Now you know what my answer is. You've, oh, you've seen it happen before. Wing. Yeah, chicken wings. That's true. Right. If there's Dude, chicken wings left on the table, how can a mother hen eat himself? I know Ew, it's crazy, right? Gross. It's crazy. Yeah. If there's chicken wings left on the table, I'm tell, not stopping. Tell all the listeners out there your chicken wing eating philosophy. Well, I just I only use one hand when I eat chicken wings, so I have an extra hand free for my drink, text. Uh, napkins, gesturing. He literally of... sits there with his hand like this, just going. Yeah, basically my right and arm I don't know goes how he does totally it. it's not on his while face. I eat chicken wings, and then the left arm is for the eating. We Have went you... out, and he looked at me, and he goes, I'm going to train you how to eat these I've correctly. seen him do it. Well, because there's just no reason to use two, two hands to eat chicken wings. It's just, it doesn't make sense. Hey there, buddy. Oh, I'm right here. I know. Don't worry. I'm getting nervous. Oh, man, my neck is killing to live. me so I could use I it. just eat to live. That's yeah, all I That's fair. I'm just here to live. Sorry. What's are you still on the rice and beans kick? Of course, the okay. seaweed salad does a body good. Okay, yep. yeah. every single day. It's every unbelievable. Every single day. Yep. Every day. Right. All right, um, moving on. Stop uh, talking about food. You're obsessed with. Food. You know this last one. I got. I don't need the, the laptop for this one because it's a, it's a little different. I'm putting a little different spin on the on the download this week. Uh, on Sunday, uh, for those who weren't here, which is anybody watching, um, we were having a conversation about which coaches in the National Football League we would most like to enjoy. A beverage with socially. I don't want to recreate that conversation, and I want to flip it. And my question is, which NFL coaches would you not want to enjoy a beverage with mm. socially? Go ahead. You can well, go first. Well, the number one candidate for me was just let go. Joe Feldman was the number one guy that I would not want to have a beer with. Uh, the guys I would want to have a beer with, we're talking like Bruce Arians here, Sean Payton. Yeah, I'm trying to get certainly. down with those guys. Right. Guys I thought that I don't want to have a beer with, first one that came to my mind was Tom Coughlin, only because I feel like I'd constantly be getting grandfather advice the entire time, and I don't think he's much of a drinker. Right. So I feel like he'd be like, you should really slow down. Right. You know? um, another guy, I'm sure I'd like to have, I'm sure Andy Reid would prove me wrong, but I would just have a lot of pent-up things I couldn't want to do it with. And um, I don't know if I'd want to drink with Jay Gruden. I just... I don't know why. He can be fun. You think so? Yeah, he can. Yes. Well, then my answer, my other answer would be McCoy from San Diego. Mike McCoy. He seems like a wet noodle. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he'd be up there for me, too. I know Mike really well. He's a great guy. Yeah, but, yeah, I never had the urge to go, hey, let's go get a beer together, Mike. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Jim Caldwell Caldwell would be up there. I was with you with Tom Coughlin just because, you know, because of the age. It's not really anything more to do that. Really – you know, Bill Belichick could go either way. It Bill could Belichick be awesome, could, yes. but I also could it's be an absolute card. disaster, and you'd be like, man, I chose to get a beer with him? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if Bill Belichick wouldn't talk to you right. or if he's going to look at you and go, you ready to tear it up tonight? And it's like, <laughs> oh, no, I'm not ready for this at all. That I, He might scare me. Right. And I, you know what? I don't think I'd want a beer with Chip Kelly. Because I feel like Chip Kelly would, from all the stories, he would only want to talk about football, and I'd want to talk about other things. Tip the Corona and Lime guy. Corona and Lime? Corona and Lime guy. Allegedly, that's what I heard. Do you have any? Who I wouldn't want to have a drink with? Yeah. Um, I definitely think think Pete Carroll would be a guy I want to have a drink with. Right, yeah. Because, you know, age is slow. Father Time's losing against Pete Carroll. Do you think he takes the gum and puts it, like, underneath or, like, on the rim of his beer? Because he's always... On the rim. I don't know. I can't think of one. You guys mentioned all like the, the yeah, I think the good so. Ones. There's yeah. some good ones. There's more good than bad. That's for sure. I mean, you think like you said, Bruce Arians, Mike Tomlin. Oh, Mike Tomlin would uh, be great. Yeah, I bet you John Harbaugh would be a blast too, because uh, he would just let it flow. You know, would no. you want to have a drink with Jim Harbaugh? 
Uh, no, I would not. I'm not a big fan of Jim Harbaugh. He ruined my relationship uh, in San Francisco when he <laughs> took off his mic after my third question in um, interviewing history. So, yeah, no, I don't want to have a beer with Jim Harbaugh. John, oh, yes, Jim, no. I think um, that's fair. Yeah. How do you think John Fox would be? John Fox, I mean, he's a very good beer drinker in general. <laughs> so, so, yes, he would be a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah, definitely. He'd be, he'd be on the top of my list, Chicago Bear guy. That's I'd hang out with Jason Garrett, but I don't know if he would drink. Right. Yeah, I think he would, but he would be a lot of fun regardless. Jason yeah. Garrett, he's like got a smile on his face. He and is he's, awesome. He's ready to go either way. Are you ready to pick some games? Let's do it. <sighs> All right. You guys, you guys want the score? <laughs> yeah, the update. update oh, yeah, standings. what is the update? Uh, so, Lefko, you had the first losing week of the season last week. You went 2-3. and three. Hey, Josh Scobie, thanks a lot. Really appreciate <laughs> uh, so your that. Overall that record is now, awesome. Your overall record is now 14-6. and six. Sims, you went 3-2 and two last week. Uh, so your overall record is 13-7. and seven. You're a game back of Lefko. Ooh, picked up you guys game. both missed on Oakland. Uh, you guys both, both missed on the Eagles. And Lefko, you missed, as you said, on the Steelers. Oof. Man, that Oakland one, man, they had that. Jay Cutler, good for you. Fourth quarter. Good yeah. for you, buddy. Yeah, on the board. On uh, the board. Th- this could be, week five could be considered a moving week in terms of the picks, and I'll explain why in a second. But the first game, Seattle at Cincinnati. We going left go first. Is that what we want to do? Let's, that's Let's what go do. me. Uh, I'm going to take Cincinnati. I I love Seattle's defense. I think Cincinnati's defense is really good. I just think Seattle's offense stinks. Yeah, I'm going Cincinnati. I think okay. they're a better football team. Uh, St. Louis at Green Bay, Sims. St. Louis at Green Bay. I'm going Green Bay. I'm going uh, Green Bay. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers will be able to dodge that front four. And like I said, I'm a little concerned with Rams. Defensive coverage. I think what what I saw Aaron Rodgers do to Kansas City's defense, who we all thought was going to be really good, and then I think of the Rams coming. I I just don't want to bet against Aaron Rodgers right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, this one, the team that just beat your Eagles, Washington against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, I think that Washington is going to be a really tough matchup for Atlanta, but I'm going Atlanta. Okay. I'm going to go Washington. I think Washington's every bit as good a football team as Atlanta. Yes. There you go. I just okay. I think it's going to come down to this. If I had to make my prediction for this, I Michael think Michael Dick throwing an out route. I think. Wow. Oh man, I think Washington is going to slow down Atlanta for the first time this season. Atlanta's going to get slowed down. I just think that the I love the secondary of Atlanta, right. and I think their defense is quietly good, and I think they're going to pick off Kirk Cousins. He didn't throw hardly any interceptions last week. He's going to throw some against Atlanta. Can we just talk about how stupid it is that people are worried about Michael Vick throwing a five-yard out to his backside shoulder that a <laughs> high school quarterback should hit? And people were saying, oh, they should have thrown it to his open side. That's just such a stupid thing out there. I just can't stand it. So I just had to say it. Sorry. Get it out. You know, I mean, not saying Michael Vick, Michael Vick knows he should have completed that. He would have completed it most of the time. Yeah. He missed that throw, plain and simple. But, geez, I mean, for people to say, oh, yeah, I mean, they shouldn't have called that five-yard out for the guy with the strongest arm in the hit, maybe in the history of football to throw to the right side. I mean, come on. That's just – Friend of the podcast, Michael Vick. Right. Yeah. I love Michael Vick, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he looked good. Man. He played good. He did play well. He really Next did. game, uh, the Jack Del Rio Bowl, I guess. Denver at Oakland. So what do you got? Uh, I'm going to go with Denver, but I think it's going to be a very close football game. It's going to be a defensive struggle. I want Oakland to win, but I am not comfortable picking them and Denver has become the team that is going to win all the sloppy games right now. And I think their defense mm. wins another game. Uh, Pittsburgh at San Diego, Lefko. This one is such a crapshoot. I am taking San Diego. I am going to take Phillip Rivers uh, at home to get it done, mainly because I think Mike Vick got, got himself on tape now, and I think San Diego is going to kind of do some stuff. But Le'Veon Bell, let me just say this. 
Hands down the best running back in the game. Mm. Not even close. The guy's balling, but I'm going with San Diego. Yeah, this is a tough one. I'm going to pick Pittsburgh. Ooh, uh, this, is I, I can, this is a coin flip to me, but I'm going to go with Pittsburgh just because uh, I, the weakness of Pittsburgh is their secondary. Uh, they won't play a lot of man-to-man against San Diego, I don't think. Uh, and I do worry about San Diego's run defense. I think the Pittsburgh will be able to run the ball on them. Am I missing something in, no, in thinking that people aren't looking at the drop from Antonio Brown on that beautiful pass? Yeah, definitely. It was overlooked, right? Okay. right. Uh, we're, we are not done with the picks. There's a bonus game given uh, by Mother Hand Josh Fendrick. Ding, ding, ding. Fendrick Lamar is saying New Orleans because we have to finish with the Eagles game. New Orleans oh, at man. Philadelphia. You go first. Well, no, go ahead. It's your Eagles. No, you just gave I want you to go first. Spiel on this one. Go ahead. New Orleans at Philadelphia. Will they get it done? Will the Philadelphia Eagles mm-hmm. somehow figure this out against a team that just got Drew Brees back? Sean Payton's going to lead them into Philadelphia with so much excitement after knocking off Dallas in the beginning of the overtime. Philadelphia is simply imploding upon themselves. But you know what happens? Sam Bradford <laughs> rises to oh, My camera's here. I am going with the Philadelphia Eagles. I am too. <laughs> I, I am as well going with the Philadelphia Eagles. I feel, I, I, damn it. I, I want to pick against them because every time I pick against them, which well, is one time they win. you picked Dallas the Super Bowl. Go ahead. I did pick Dallas. Stop, yeah. stop <laughs> it. Uh, I am going to pick the Eagles. I just, I, I think that, I think the Saints are a bad, I don't think they're a bad football team. I don't think they're a good football team. Right. So I'm going with the Eagles. All right. Ah, I don't feel good about it. Two I don't di- feel good about any of my you picks. Know, you realize two disagreements. Sims can take the lead. He can. But I will say I feel a lot more confident about Atlanta over Washington than San Diego <laughs> over Oh, Pittsburgh. I'm definitely taking a chance with Washington and San Di- I mean, and Pittsburgh, both of them. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're going with Kurt. See, here's the thing. I'm going with Matt Ryan and Phillip Rivers. Right. He's going with Kirk Cousins and Michael Vick. So Oof. I definitely have the advantage there. <laughs> yes. But we'll see. How you feeling, Fendrick? I feel great. Is there any topics we missed? No, you guys hit everything. Nothing going on in pop culture that's exciting? Uh, Not really. Okay. Not really. Great. Uh, Yankees. Yankees, hey, who the Phillies playing? No, sorry, Phillies. Sit at home. We're on ESPN tonight. This is the second time I made fun of by someone that I think is pretty cool, except last night it was cooler. Ric Flair I interviewed last night. And Ric Flair made fun of Philadelphia in front of 80 people with me last night. <laughs> he was like, I was like, did you ever feel unsafe in your wrestling career? And he's like, well, there was this one time in Baltimore, one time in Philly. I said, Philly, I, I know that I'm from there. And in front of everyone, he goes, man, your team has sucked for a really long time. The Phillies, they suck. The Eagles, they suck. And I was like, thanks, Rick. Uh, let's transition now out of this. Ooh, yeah. Woo, you're the best. All right, very fast <laughs> podcast. Super excited with Justin Forsett. He's having a great uh, season thus far. Nelson, you are the man. Give him the shoots. Oh, Peace shoots brought up. Sorry. Shoots brought up. Peace out from Sims. Producer Fendrick, give him the old one. I made it two. back to my chair in time. Man. Sims got me before, but I'm back now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to start calling you out every time you get out of it. Yeah, go ahead. Go uh, for it. Let's go to the control room really quick. Get the final goodbyes from everybody. Ooh. Oh, I oh, see yeah. your hands, Steinmetz, back there. Papa Michelle killing it. Ryan, George, and, of course, Cameron. And a special birthday wish to the most beautiful fingers in the building. Gabe, give them the old one-two wave. Oh, guys. Oh, ooh, detail on the fingers <laughs> there. Uh, I can guarantee you tonight he'll be yelling 1738 at random people. All over Manhattan. <laughs> Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Sins of Lefko, episode 36. No, I'm an idiot. 33. 34. Next week, Kevin Turner. Stay tuned. Wow, that addition was a hard I'm thing bad at this. this week. <laughs>